This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Welcome to Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love. I'm Katherine Barner, your guest host for today. Well, welcome back, Paco Cortez. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. It's great to have you back. We've had some good conversations the past couple of weeks. This has been fun. I think so, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we've spent the past couple of episodes here looking at the topic of apologetics, what it is, why it's important. And so to our listeners, if you haven't heard those last two episodes, it might help you to go back and listen to those first. Um, and so today we're going to dive a little bit deeper into what we're calling some more contemporary culture issues um, and some of the challenges that we face when it comes to apologetics. And we're excited because we have listeners in over 80 countries across the world. Um, So obviously talking about any one single contemporary cultural issue may be a bit challenging, but If we talk uh, about our own experience here in the United States, hopefully um, that can still be really helpful to our listeners. So we'll jump right into this thing, Paco. And again, thanks for coming back. So when we talk about some of the challenges that we see um, in our contemporary culture and how they relate to apologetics, what are some of those challenges that you come in contact with most? Yes, I would like to highlight a couple, Mm -hmm. a couple of challenges or obstacles to apologetics as um, pre-evangelism, mm. as we talked in the other mm-hmm. episode, meaning engaging uh, non-believers right. with the truth of the gospel. I see a couple of challenges or difficulties I, that uh, in our culture, mm-hmm. that's what uh, I think a lot of people uh, would would hold on to as far as a belief system. And I'm referring to a couple of things. Number one, the concept of truth mm. in our culture today it's not that people are called to a relativistic kind of view on truth, like there's ultimately no truth, mm-hmm. but more that a truth is that which I defined okay. for myself mm-hmm. or, what, or what I accept as true. Mm-hmm. And since everybody else has different ways of thinking or even defining truth mm-hmm. or um, deciding to accept something as true, we're going to have differences of opinion right. or the truth claims are, are going to be different and in some cases even contradictory, mm-hmm. mutually exclusive. Um, that's one challenge. And why is it a challenge in apologetics and sharing the gospel? Well, because if the gospel turns out to be something that I personally accept mm-hmm. as true or I define as true for myself, well, if someone else does not, then uh, for them, it's, it's not true. Uh. So uh, it, that's the kind of the, the, the problem that we run into. Right. That's number one. And then the other is this notion that I'm hearing a lot today, especially today, is the notion that, well, you hold, in this case, Christianity to be true because, well, that's kind of your perspective or maybe mm-hmm. you've been uh, raised uh, in that environment, uh, it's it's all a byproduct of your uh, uh, how your maybe your parents raised you, right. or maybe the the community you hang around with. Okay, uh, and that's why you believe Christianity to be true. But I 
belong to another community or my upbringing is different or my circle of friends and so forth are different than yours. And therefore, uh, I reject Christianity. Right. So on those two um, matters, uh, Christianity then turns out to be a matter also of perspective. Right. That it's not ultimately true. It's ultimately your perspective or How your I upbringing. Uh, culture mm -hmm. or your community. Ah. So if that is the case, then real apologetics doesn't get off the ground because I can present all kind of reasonable, rational arguments in exactly. favor of Christianity. But ultimately, if Christianity is, you know, is true, but the way I personally define it or accept it, then it it ultimately arguments don't 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 uh, uh, you know don't carry weight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of the, the the two problems that I wow. see today, and um, and maybe maybe uh, I can illustrate this this okay. uh, this point here by um, um, bringing into into mind a, a film that I watched years ago. Maybe some of you watched it. It's called The Truman Show. Okay. <laughs> uh, for those that are not familiar with the movie, mm -hmm. um, kind of the plot is that the main character, Truman is his name. That's mm -hmm. why it's called The Truman Show. Uh, uh, unbeknownst to him, since the time that he was born up until his adult life, uh, he has been living in a movie set. Yes. Uh, or a set for a television Program. He doesn't know this. Okay, so there's a bunch of actors in this movie set or TV set, and they all act or play along mm -hmm. the the uh, the uh, what the, the storyline with him. Right, the, the the misconception or the misperception right. that this is reality for Truman, but everybody else, the the viewing audience and the director and producer and all the actors know that this is a, all a movie set, right. okay? So why do I bring this movie up? Because uh, a lot of people today kind of uh, make, uh, make an argument or hold similar beliefs to what we see in this movie mm -hmm. that, okay, well, for Truman, reality or knowledge or truth was what he experienced around him. Right. He didn't know uh, uh, better that this was all all fake, that this was all a movie set. Everybody was an actor, mm -hmm. his parents, then his wife, and so forth, his friends, neighbors. They were all actors. They were all in it, okay? So um, it, the movie kind of highlights this notion that, well, uh, it is true that in some sense, uh, your community mm -hmm. uh, shapes your beliefs. Right. They play a, a significant role mm -hmm. in what you hold to, to, to be true or what you believe to be true. Mm -hmm. They do play an important role. Okay. But as you move on and you continue watching the movie, okay, at the end of the movie, uh, Truman finally realizes that this is all this is, a movie set. Right. It's not real. And ultimately, he leaves the set. That's kind of how, how the movie concludes. He, okay. he finally realizes that I've been living a, a deception. Exactly. This hasn't been real. So uh, that movie kind of highlights um, the problem with those two objections, mm -hmm. that um, ultimately, uh, yeah, your community may shape your beliefs, 
or your perspective, your upbringing, your friends, your the circle of friends that you have, and so forth. Maybe your education, uh, family, and so forth. Uh, but uh, even as you watch that movie, there is a reality that even though, yeah. Uh, the community played a, a huge role in the deception. I right. would say that they uh, they failed uh, Truman mm. in informing him about reality. Right. Okay, they they fomented the deception, and that that is that is bad. Mm -hmm. And we see how Truman finally is able to go outside that community to reality. So even if we acknowledge that community plays a huge role in, in, in shaping our beliefs, what we hold to be true, there's still a, a, a reality that we can go outside our community influence to see, to, to attain what is actually real and true. You see it in, in Truman. Mm -hmm. So similarly with truth, um, Truman believed that this movie set was in fact reality. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he held that to be true, but... That didn't change the fact that he was actually wrong. Right. And there was a reality outside. Exactly. The movie, uh, the movie set. So, uh, kind of in response to those objections, well, we can acknowledge that community has a huge influence mm -hmm. on us, on what we believe to be true, and also uh, truth. Uh, we can acknowledge that uh, people decide to hold to certain beliefs. Right. And sometimes against the evidence, uh, right? A lot of times um, against a lot, the evidence. A lot of time yeah. against the evidence, which is, we would say, well, that's, that's foolish. Mm -hmm. But some people hold on to uh, beliefs that ultimately are, are false. Uh, in the movie, uh, Truman uh, slowly but surely uh, sees evidence uh, that uh, the reality that he's experiencing is not ultimately true. Exactly. Uh, a good uh, scene that I remember is there's a, um, a, a light, a movie set light that falls from the sky. Huh. And, it's, and he sees this and, it's, and it, it kind of befuddles him, right? It puzzles yeah. him. It doesn't, it doesn't conform <laughs> to our everyday experience. Exactly. So that, that's kind of the beginning of his questioning. Gotcha. Uh, the reality that he's perceiving. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think going back to these uh, problems or objections to apologetics, if, if we're able to uh, start questioning mm. the presuppositions that people may have. Gotcha. Uh, like that light coming yeah. down. Uh, then I think we're, we're on to kind of planting the seed. Right. It opens the door then to have those conversations that, that we Correct. talked about probably in the last couple of episodes to start answering those objections that they yeah. have. So so we can say to those that will bring those kinds of objections, yeah, community plays a big role. Mm -hmm. But even though we can acknowledge that reality, we can say that reality is outside uh, truth, reality as it truly is, is outside our community environment. Mm -hmm. And that truth ultimately is not defined by us. Uh, truth is truth by itself. Right. We may reject it. Okay. But it uh, doesn't may, mean it's not truth. Correct. Or yeah. we may be, you know, deceived like in Truman's case. Mm -hmm. But the great thing about the, the movie and as we watch, we're kind of rooting for Truman 
to get out of to that. To figure it out. To get at, yeah. get out of that movie set and see reality as it truly is. Mm -hmm. So that's what we want to do in apologetics, engaging uh, uh, in apologetics as pre-evangelism mm -hmm. is maybe start planting the seed of doubt for uh, those individuals that would define truth as, you know, well, it's a personal choice. Yeah. Uh, everybody has their own definition of truth. Who, who are you to judge me and so mm -hmm. forth? Or those that would say, well, everybody's influenced by community, by your surroundings, by your upbringing. And therefore, since there are so many, so many communities, right. people are, uh, are raised in very different ways by different people and family members and viewpoints. Mm -hmm. How can you say that, uh, you know, Christianity is ultimately yeah. true? Well, I think we can go outside of this community influence to, to get at what truly what is, is the case. Truth, yeah. And I would argue that Christianity is ultimately true. Exactly. <laughs> independently of the community that you belong to or your upbringing or independently of how you define true truth. Mm -hmm. Christianity is true objectively. Exactly. That would be my that's that's My that's a, that's an excellent example because I do remember uh, some years ago seeing that movie and hearing you now talk about it and particularly that the light falling for him being that the the catalyst to start him thinking about wait a minute so, something's not quite right here exactly. what what is it so right. I love your point there that we can use those moments uh, to continue planting those seeds. Uh, of doubt for people and then to bring them around to what is ultimately the truth. Because as you said, we, for us, we believe that Christianity is the truth. Um, and despite right. what, what family relationships may say, communities may say, um, while there certainly is a place for that, as, as you pointed out, the goal is to bring people to that truth. Uh, of Christianity and of and of Christ, so I think that's that's an excellent. That's a great example. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I think just, so. Yeah. It kind of kind of fascinated me yeah. watching the movie that it would be. I would say somewhat deeply philosophical. Yeah, in, I think when you in, think in the about area of knowledge, exactly, and truth, and also the role of community mm -hmm. in informing your belief exactly. system. That uh, I would even say that the, your community mm -hmm. has a, a, a huge responsibility, responsibility yeah. in in upbringing you uh, onto truth mm -hmm. and uh, and lead you away from error. Exactly. And when community fails you, it's 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 I would say even it's it's an evil. It's, yeah. Because oh. you you see in the movie that those the producer, director, all the actors uh, uh, who are in it, yeah. in the deception, They're part of I think it. that they failed Truman right. to inform him about what reality truly is. And they, they, they played into the deception. Exactly. That's, a, that's, a great, so. that's a great example, Paco. Mm -hmm. So talking about that, you know, as we talk about community and relationships and that sort of thing, you know, and apologetics, obviously, there, there's an intellectual component to it. I mean, that, there just is. I think when we talk about theology in any way, there, there is an intellectual component. But is there also a relational component to apologetics? And how does that—I think you touched on it a little bit, but how does that really— I guess, drive what we do or inform how we interact with people? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think that some people have objections about the facts of Christianity mm -hmm. and or intellectual doubts, mm -hmm. let, let's put it that way, and, 
And when we, when we encounter those kinds of doubts, we should engage the individual and provide responses to those objections, right. intellectually, arguments, well-reasoned um, arguments, evidences. Mm -hmm. And if uh, the doubt or the objection is intellectual in nature, mm -hmm. uh, that should resolve the doubt or answer the objection, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that it would show that the objection ultimately doesn't hold uh, a lot of weight, mm -hmm. okay? So um, that's how we would deal with intellectual issues. But also I would add that um, in order for a person to come to faith in Christ, not only does the person need to be convinced intellectually that Christianity is in fact true, yeah. that would be the, uh, the foundational element, mm -hmm. because nobody's going to believe or trust in Christ if they know that Christ or Christianity is false. Right. Nobody's going to trust in something or someone that they know exactly. is false. Right. So that that's kind of the prerequisite. Gotcha. But it's not the end all and be all of uh, saving faith. Mm -hmm. A person must willfully then commit to the truth that they know is, in fact, the case. Yeah. So there's a there's this component of trust. And that's where mm -hmm. faith comes in, by the way. Faith is uh, full trust on what you know or believe to be true. Right. So you answer intellectual objections, then you challenge the individual mm. to uh, respond to the gospel. That's why apologetics is pre-evangelism. It's right. not identical to evangelism. Then you have to present the gospel. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, and then if a person actually rejects, uh, I mean, is not willing, well, we can at least show that it's not for intellectual reasons. Exactly. It's, an, it's a matter of the will. Mm. And at that point, uh, I mean, we can we can um, play an important part, mm -hmm. um, I mean, helped and guided by the Holy Spirit in resolving those intellectual doubts yeah. or um, kind of demolishing intellectual objections. But as far as the will, mm. that's uh, uh, a, a job of, yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. The Holy Spirit is the one that converts the soul mm -hmm. of the person. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so we're not denying the huge, important role of the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit is involved in your pre-evangelism, using apologetics as pre-evangelism right. and presenting arguments, well -reasoned, a well-reasoned defense of the faith. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Holy Spirit is the only one that can convert the soul right. uh, to, for, for that individual. Uh, their will have a predisposition now mm -hmm. to surrender their life to it's Christ. That's a job of the um, Holy Spirit. And I would add also that sometimes the, the doubt or the objection mm -hmm. is kind of uh, ma it's masqueraded okay. uh, as an intellectual doubt. But ultimately, in some cases, is um, I would say emotional, mm. an emotional doubt or emotional objection. Mm -hmm. uh, in an earlier uh, episode, you mentioned like, Maybe someone that has lost uh, a relative, right, right, uh, or maybe a relative was sick, and and he, uh, this person prayed, right, uh, for healing, and ultimately that 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 uh, person died, mm -hmm. and now they don't want anything to do with with Christianity, yeah, or 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 the God of the Bible, mm -hmm. and uh, and we may present intellectual arguments to demonstrate how the existence of evil. And the existence of a, a God, as yeah. we as we find in the Bible, meaning God is all powerful, all good. Mm -hmm. Those two uh, 
statements can be can be true at the same time right. and in the same sense without a logical contradiction. But if, if the doubt or the objection is the source is really emotional, yeah. it's uh, our intellectual arguments are, are not going to do that. No, yeah. uh, we can provide those. But ultimately, it's maybe um, counseling, mm-hmm. uh, being there for the person, right. loving on them, right. uh, just be, being there, just being there. Uh, through their hurt and pain. Exactly. And ultimately, again, it's it's the Holy Spirit treating their, the their, not only their minds, but the heart, the heart. as well. Yeah. We have to remember that uh, we uh, human beings are not only intellect or not only emotional beings, mm-hmm. but we're both. God has created that, created us this way as intellectual and emotional beings. That's, that is so good. And so on, on that note, when we talk about, because we talk a lot about with apologetics and being able to, you know, address those objections and, you know, again, the goal being salvation. But how, how important is it? Because I think sometimes when we, we talk about apologetics, and I think you're right, we sometimes mix that with evangelism also. How important is it for us to listen in these relationships mm. when when we're when we're talking with someone, particularly who has really serious objections to to the word or to Christianity or to Christ and and all that that entails, how important is listening there as opposed to just always having something to say? I mean, just being ready to fire away at them. Yeah, I think it's extremely important that we are uh, listeners more than talkers <laughs> when we engage in apologetics mm-hmm. as pre-evangelism with non-believers. And again, our goal is to have an opportunity to share the gospel right. and that that person be receptive to the gospel. Um, by listening, we we show to the person that we care mm. about what they believe, what they say, what they're going through as well. So that that's that's number one. It shows that we care about them by listening to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. We're not there just to preach on yeah, them. Just to and, rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're listening to what they have to say, what they believe, what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it shows that an importance uh, that you're the person is important to mm-hmm. you. That's number one. So that opens. Uh, communication or definitely fosters it for sure. Then uh, it is important because uh, it helps us to figure out what the person actually believes instead of maybe uh, assuming that you know what a person believes. Mm -hmm. um, They will, uh, by listening, they they will let you know exactly what they believe. Mm -hmm. So it's it's, um, an opportunity to do a kind of a diagnosis of uh, of where that person is spiritually. Mm -hmm. What kind of experiences have they gone through that maybe has led them down the road of either atheism or skepticism or agnosticism. And based on that, we can uh, proceed in our dialogue. Yeah, as I'm hearing you say that, I'm thinking that will then inform us as to what direction to go when we start dealing with different objections. There may be some that we tackle first. There may be some that we wait a little later to deal with, depending on what they are, particularly if we're listening to exactly what their struggle, their question, their objection is where they are. And especially if we're talking about, as you mentioned a minute ago, more of a heart issue versus an intellectual issue. Because I think it's easy for us to, to hit those intellectual points. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. we get really uncomfortable when it's the heart issues because that's when we really have to dig in and really engage on on a different level with people. 
Exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's, and that's I, and I would point. agree. Yeah. So, so in my experience, that the intellectual part <laughs> is it's easier. Right. Because here are the facts. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, would you agree with the facts? Right. So it, True it, or false? It's an intellectual <laughs> activity, mm-hmm. let's put it that way. But as far as the emotions, yeah. the emotions are, are totally different. Exactly. Sometimes they are devoid of any rational foundation. or right. <laughs> Yes. So uh, definitely it, it is more of a challenge when it is an emotion, mm-hmm. emotional issue going on yeah. more than an, an intellectual definitely. one. Wow. So, so let me ask this one. One of the question when we're talking about um, apologetics, and we're a lot of times in our own families, as we talk about you know the relational aspect of this, in families where we have people who may be really close to us, um, brothers, sisters, mom, dad, whatever the case may be, who who aren't believers, um, who have serious objections to the word, to Christ, to Christianity, how do we? I guess, sift through that uh, maybe differently, or do we do it differently than we would with someone who, let's say, we may work with um, Mm -hmm. or someone we may come in contact with just kind of by happenstance? What does that look like? Yeah, I think it is different with with family members because Mm -hmm. they, um, apart from anybody else, Mm -hmm. they know you better. Yeah. So uh, that's why it's going to be different. It's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's this interaction yeah. between family members and, and yourself than maybe, maybe others. So they're going to know you better than anybody else. So as far as an advice, uh, taking, taking it from my personal experience, mm-hmm. uh, with family, I think it is better uh, not necessarily <laughs> to, uh, to engage in an intellectual debate, mm-hmm. but just to show mm. Your Christian faith, I mean, that your lifestyle would speak, would speak more, yeah. I think, than intellectual arguments mm-hmm. or rational arguments in favor of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not leave them out. I mean, if a family member is willing to talk and engage right. you, then, then go for it, mm-hmm. definitely. But I think uh, primarily it's going to be uh, uh, your lifestyle. The lifestyle that they see. Yeah, a difference. That's good. It definitely yeah. happened in, 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 my, in my case mm-hmm. with my family, my, my immediate family. Mm-hmm. I was the first one to come to faith in okay. Christ. And later on, my brothers, my sister, mm-hmm. my mom. The last one was my dad. He was the right. more, <laughs> most reluctant of the whole family. But I rarely actually, you know, like either engage in apologetics with yeah. them or or preach to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. It was more that they saw in me a change. Yeah. You, a changed life. Exactly. And, and, and that caught their attention. And... Um, Ultimately, they they made a decision for Christ. That's thanks, huge. Thanks to the That's Lord. That's huge, like you say, because you're right. Those are the people, obviously, who know us best and who know um, who know us BC before Christ. And so I think you're right, right when they are so close to us. I think that's an excellent point you make that we, we just live the life before them so they are able to, to see for themselves the difference that right. the relationship with Christ makes in your mm-hmm. life, um, when they can right. compare that to some things that mm-hmm. we may have done, said, or places we've gone before, um, yeah. and then now seeing a changed lifestyle. That's a, yeah. that's a great point. And now, I, uh, um, apologetics 
plays a great a great role mm -hmm. in our family as post evangelism. Okay. Because now okay. my brothers, my sister, my parents, mm -hmm. uh, uh, maybe they have doubts, mm -hmm. and we are able to talk about them wow. and resolve their doubts. So, and and even one of my brothers is really also into apologetics mm -hmm. now after coming to faith in Christ. So it plays an important role in our lives mm -hmm. as a family. In again, post evangelism, post -evangelism. yeah, That's huge. strengthening the faith exactly. of other believers, of believer. yes, wow. yeah. We, okay, obviously we need more time. This has been a great conversation. Again, definitely agree. really good conversation. Thank you so much again for being here. I hope this has been really helpful for our listeners. I know it has been for me. Um, so yeah. again, to our listeners, it has been an absolute blessing to see God at work during the first season of the Saving Grace podcast. With listeners in all 50 states now and more than 80 countries around the world, we are excited to invest time in planning incredible content for season two. So to that end, we will spend the summer months praying, planning, and recording for the launch of season two in August. An added benefit to our listeners is the time to catch up on some of the stellar content from season one. So beginning May 16th, we will be featuring encore episodes of some of our most popular episodes. We hope you will enjoy this best of saving grace content throughout the summer and watch for more details soon about the launch of season two. Listen, we hope you have been encouraged by today's program to find out more about what God is doing at Grace School of Theology. We invite you to visit us online at partnerwithgrace.org. From there, you can find out more about our global initiatives, how to become a student or register for our free course entitled The Grace of God. This course features powerful teaching from three of Grace's theological scholars and will help you truly understand the depths of God's grace. In addition, we welcome your questions and comments. You can email us at savinggrace at gsot.edu or follow us on Twitter at savinggracecast. Also, we have created a brief survey for you all, for all of our listeners. You can access the survey at gsot.edu slash podcast survey. Saving Grace will always remain free and remain a free resource. But if the podcast has been a value to your life as a listener, we hope that as many of our listeners as possible will take just a few minutes, will only be about two minutes of your time to take the survey and help shape the future of Saving Grace. Again, that's gsot.edu slash podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership. <laughs>